0: Bibles back to the book of 1 Thessalonians. And I don't know if you've ever tried to say that five times really fast, but it's a tongue twister for me. 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So we'll be going back to the book of 1 Thessalonians. And yet last week we were in chapter 5 speaking about rejoicing always. And the reason that we have to rejoice, which we have the greatest gift that has overcome our greatest. Um, Our gravest fault in Jesus Christ, and that is a reason for which we can celebrate, the reason that we can rejoice, regardless of what our world can throw at us. Because why? Because that is always a constant in the life of a Christian is that the gift that you have received has overcome death, hell, and the grave, and that will never change. So, therefore, you will always have a reason to rejoice. Now, whenever um, we're looking at the world in comparison, to, um, in comparison to the Christian community, you know, there should be a difference. You know, there should be a huge difference um, whenever we compare the two. And there's big differences that, that are there. You know, if you take the big three questions that the world tries to answer, and I've alluded to these, you know, many times, and I think it's very important that we understand how to answer the, this question – and how the fact of our worldview um, uh, is exposed and how we do answer these questions. Do you all remember the big three questions? Where did I come from? Why am I here? And where am I going when I die? Okay, how you view the world determines how you're going to answer those questions. If your worldview has been shaped by the world and you view the world through the lens of what the world gives you and you look at it at a carnally a a carnal-minded state, eliminating God from the equation, then where did I come from? You will usually turn to the science books that are in, in, in many different colleges and classrooms and even our elementary schools that will say that the world came from nothing, okay? The world came from nothing. And if that is true, the world came from nothing, you came from nothing, and that really weighs heavily on how you answer the second question, why am I here? If you follow the logic of this, if if really all that we are are the result of a cosmic burp, in time and space, and that that all of this is just um, that all of this is here by chance, without without direction, without a mind, without intelligence, and we're all just we're all just moist robots dancing to our DNA as we go through, and we're just reacting to previous um, chemical reactions that are driving us in this, and we have no free will, and that our minds are simply a product of the, of the primordial soup that is there, then that obviously says that why you are here has to be determined by who? Well, by you, right? But who's actually making that determination? Really what was put, in, put, in, put into play billions of years ago, according to what they say. So there is really no purpose, because your purpose cannot be found within really who you are, but the one who made you, right? So however, so so if, so if we're going to answer the question, where did I come from, why am I here, and where am I going, if we are just a product of a cosmic burp, and we're just stardust, if you die, that's it. Okay, Your, your consciousness is gone, there's nothing there, you don't know that you're dead. But it just, just that, that's it, you go back to the dirt, you recirculate into the earth some other way and that's all part of the circle of life. In reality, there's a, lot more, there's a lot more that you can derive from that if you just take God out of the equation that we actually came from nothing. But however, I want you to understand, and this is just kind of a side note, that nothing has ever come from nothing and nothing ever will. Does that sound familiar to you? The sound of music, All right, They got that right. And for someone to say that something came from nothing is clearly something that has not been represented or retested or proven and, re, and, um, and redone in a laboratory. That is a religious statement just as anything else could be because it does not rest in any kind of evidence at all. But that's just free stuff there. So however, there's some differences in how we answer these questions as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a believer of the God of the Bible. Where did we come from? If the Bible is true, and what it reveals to us, then we have been created by God and we carry his image. We are created by an almighty creator, an intelligent mind, brought everything into his existence. He chose to make everything that we see. And if God has chosen to create you, then he, there's a reason for which God has created you. And therefore, we have the ability to appeal to him to find out why we are here. We have someone who can give us a purpose of our life and can tell us why we are here, and ultimately boiled down with all the meat off the bone, we are here to know God and to make him known. That is our purpose in everything that we do. As believers in Jesus. But where did you come from? If God created us, then we can know why we are here. And if God truly does exist, and I say that he does, I'm I'm 100% confident that God does exist. But if he exists, there's only two possibilities of where you will be when you die. You'll be with him, or you will not. There's only two possibilities: is you will be with him, or you will not be with him. So those are the those are the two worldviews that you have. So there are some great differences just based on the worldview that we would have as Christians, as opposed to a worldview world that eliminates God from their, from their um, from their perspective. But however, there's some great differences. The truth about the truth about it is when it comes to answering that last question: Where am I going when I die? The reality too, that is that some will go to heaven and some will not. Some will be ready for Christ's return and some will not. And within the text that we are going to be going through today in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting at verse 13, we're going to expose a few of these differences. So we're going to ask the question when it comes to Christianity versus the world, you know, what's the difference? You want to know what those differences are? Okay, I'm glad you asked, because we're going to spend the next few minutes on it. All right, so here we go. So what's the difference? The first thing I want us to see in, in chapter 4, verse 13, it says, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. Now, Paul starts his paragraph off with the, with the phrase, I do not want you to be ignorant of this. You may already know, but however, I need to reiterate what I'm telling you here. What I'm telling you is important. He's not calling them stupid. Stupid is forever. Okay, ignorance can be fixed with knowledge. So, however, so I would not have you to be ignorant of this. This is something that I want you to have knowledge of, and what I'm about to tell you is very important. I do not want you to go to go without understanding what I'm about to tell you. So, in verse 13, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. So, what's the difference that we're seeing here? What's the contrast? The contrast is, is simply hope and no hope. This is a big difference. Those in Christ have hope. Those who don't have Christ do not have any hope. But he says, that, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning who? The ones who have already died, those who have fallen asleep, those who are no longer living with them um, in the world. But those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Now, death is a concern in almost all of our lives. We have all seen death um, in one way or another as we, as we continue to live through this world, we'll see it, and one day we will come to our own death because it's appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. Now, Paul, he, he, he speaks of this, and he also addresses the situation here Now, whenever it comes to death, many of us have lost loved ones um, in in the past. And there's no question that we have suffered sorrow and great loss. And we've gone through tragedies as we have lost our loved ones. So, Paul's saying here, he's not saying that you should not sorrow. We're all going to sorrow. We're all going to grieve. Jesus even wept at the grave of Lazarus. So, we're going to face sorrows. We're going to go through those times of... Of overwhelming emotion at the loss of our loved ones. But what is he, what's the distinction that he makes here? Because you will not sorrow what? As others who have no hope. See, we as believers in Jesus Christ, we have a hope. And yet, though we will sorrow concerning those who have fallen asleep, we will not sorrow or we should not sorrow as those who have no hope. Why? Because what do we have? We have hope. We have hope. This is a huge difference in Christianity versus the world. We have a hope that is found in Jesus Christ. The Christian grief is different. We have an assurance of better things ahead. Listen to what Paul said in Philippians chapter one and verse twenty one. It says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what shall I choose I cannot, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. I mean, Paul, he was torn here. He wanted to stay and work and produce fruit, but he also was looking forward to the day that he would be with Christ forever and ever. And he was torn between the two. He enjoyed working for, for Christ, but he did long for the day that one day he would stand before Jesus Christ, his Savior. He had a hope. And each one of us as believers in Jesus Christ, we have this hope that we will be with Jesus when we die. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8, it says, We are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, Paul is speaking to the church of Thessalonica here, He's saying, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. He's saying, these who have gone on before, I don't want you to sorrow like that. In verse 14, it says, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. This is a great hope, especially for us who, have, who are still here and our loved ones have gone on before, and if we have the confidence that they knew Christ as their personal Savior, we can have confidence that if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who are, in, who are asleep in him, that, that one day we will be with them, that we will see them again. But like I said, this does not take away the pain. This does not take away the temporary sorrow that we are suffering while we are here, but we have a hope. That when those who have gone asleep, those who are asleep in Jesus Christ, if Jesus Christ was buried and he rose again, then be for certain that Jesus Christ will come back with them one day. It is difficult, but as always, within the Christian faith, it is never a permanent goodbye. (laughs) Thankfully, it's just a see you later. I'm going to see you again. And though, though we have to suffer with the pain of the loss, we don't sorrow as those who have no hope. It's a big difference. You know, I've, sp- I've spoken to many funeral directors and many people in hospitals and in ICU units and, and the doctors and the funeral directors and the nurses, they can express to you a huge difference in families who are followers and believers of Jesus Christ as opposed to those who are worldly. Why? Because it's evident that they don't sorrow as those who have no hope. They have an understanding. They're they're still sad. They still struggle and they still suffer. But the fact of the matter is, is that if Jesus Christ died, was buried, and if he is alive today, he is coming back with those who have gone on before. That's, That's a wonderful, huge difference. So what's the difference? Well, the difference is between hope and no hope. Lost people simply don't have this hope. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12, it says, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near to God by the blood of Jesus Christ. Those who have fallen asleep in Christ are far better off now than what they were here. Regardless of how great their life may have been in this present time, if they're with Christ, they're better off and you're promised. If you too have trusted in Christ, you will see them again, that Jesus will bring them back when he returns. So one of the big differences is, is hope and no hope. Secondly, This hope and no hope is grounded in belief or unbelief. Whether or not you have hope is determined whether you believe or you do not. Whether you've received the gift of salvation or you have not. Because this eternal life is grounded within whether or not you have trusted Christ as your Savior by repenting of your sins and believing on Him. In verse 14, again it says, "For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, of the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, then we." who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet them in the air. But this is all based on verse 14. For if we believe. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, if we have truly repented of our sins and believed the gospel, if we have heeded to the gospel message and turned from our wicked ways and trusted in Jesus and looked at the cross of Calvary for our salvation and the work of the cross that that brought about the shed blood of Jesus Christ that washes away the sin of, of, of mankind, then we can cling to this promise. Then we can cling to this fact that is brought before us. But the key to this hope that we talked about earlier, the key to this hope of an eternal life, this hope of, of, of meeting our loved ones who have died in Christ before is, is grounded in, in this faith that we have in Christ. And to believe in Christ is to trust in the work of Calvary's cross. This is simply more than just an intellectual assent to the existence of God. This is more than just an intellectual assent that Jesus Christ was a historical figure, it requires, us, it requires even more than just believing that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. You must trust in the work that he did. You must see yourself and expose yourself before an almighty God. As the word of God exposes who we are uh, through, through his law, that we see that we are sinners before an almighty God, that we confess our sins before God and repent of those sins, turn from them, and trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and him alone. Because if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring those. This hope rests in whether or not we have a personal relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. To believe is to be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, you and your whole household. And when we can do this, and when the Lord has drawn us by the Holy Spirit, and we have repented of our sins and trusted in him, we can be assured of this promise. We can stand and not sorrow like others sorrow. We can stand with a, with a firm confidence that if Jesus Christ rose from the gra- grave and we have repented and trusted him, we have an assurance that we will be with him one day. In 1 John chapter 5, and verse 12, it says, he who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son does not have life, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And if you have eternal life, then one day, those who have gone before, who sleep in Christ, will be reunited with you one day. So yes, we will sorrow, but we will not sorrow as those who have no hope. And Paul says, I would not have you to be ignorant concerning this. This is what we need to have an understanding of. So the difference in belief and unbelief, those who believe will spend eternity with Jesus one day. But concerning those who refuse to believe, here's the difference. They have no hope of heaven. And they will be lost forever. For an eternity. And that's just the harsh reality of the truth. It's the harsh reality of what sin has truly done to us, or what we have done to ourselves because of sin. There is no hope. Without Jesus Christ, there is no hope. You will find no hope without, without Jesus Christ. Whenever we pass on from this life, where did you come from? Where, why are you here? Where are you going? All of those will not make sense, but the, fa- but, the, but the changing factor, what makes the difference, is what have you done with Jesus Christ? If you want that hope, it comes only in knowing Jesus They have no hope, and I've been saved for quite a long time, but as my understanding just keeps um, unfolding, and it keeps growing and concerning this, and having an understanding of this, if you really think about it, if you do not have Jesus, if you don't have eternal life, there is absolutely no hope, because as a believer, here's a big difference. As a believer in Jesus Christ, no matter how bad this gets, this is your hell. This is as bad as it's going to get. Because once we die, we will be with Jesus forever, and it's going to be glorious. It's going to be wonderful. We will be reunited with those who have gone on before. And we will have an eternity to spend with Him. That is the reality of the truth. We have a hope. It cannot get any worse than what we're living through here. Even if what you're living through right now is great and wonderful, this is as worse as it's going to get. It's only going to get better. You have an amazing hope for which we can look forward to. That is a life with Jesus, a life reunited with all of the saints who have gone on before. But if you don't have Jesus, you don't have that hope. As a matter of fact, you will be lost forever. Which brings me to my final point. So there's a difference in hope and no hope that's grounded in belief and unbelief, which also determines the first resurrection, or the second? Which resurrection will you be a part of? So we read here in verse 15, we're not going to get into a huge eschatology study here. I'm just going to point out the major differences in knowing Christ and not knowing Christ when it comes to the end. It says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. So we're still alive; we will remain. It says, for the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel. And with the trumpet of God, he is announcing his coming. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. This is going to be an amazing day. To think about that day coming, it's almost frightening. When the day of the Lord, when we look into the eastern sky and we see Jesus Christ coming with the shout and with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, as He is as He's coming down, and the dead in Christ are rising, and they are meeting Him, He's coming, bringing them with them. Their bodies are being resurrected, and we are seeing that happening. And then once that happens, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet them in the air. The flying is cool, but the fact it's not about the flying; it's who we meet in the air. That's an amazing day. That's a huge difference because we, because at, at, at Jesus' return, we're going to be called up together with Jesus and with the saints who have gone before our loved ones who, are, who have died in Christ. We will be reunited with them on this day. What a glorious and wonderful day that this is! And thus, we shall always be with the Lord. So, what's the difference? Turn with me to Revelation chapter 20. In Revelation chapter 20 and in verse 5, it's speaking of the thing we talked about. In verse 5 it says, but the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. So the rest of the dead... So the dead in Christ have rised, but the rest of the dead did not. It says, but the rest of the dead did not live again until a thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Continuing on, as we continue to read through this, I want you to really pay attention and absorb what is actually happening here. It says, Over such the second death is no has no more power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now when the thousand years has expired, Satan will be released from his prison, and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went up to the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they will be tormented day and night forever. And then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it From those whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Verse 13, the sea gave up the dead, Who were in it. And death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. And then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. What a difference. We will be resurrected to meet Jesus in the air. Or we will be resurrected from death and Hades to stand before God in judgment at the great white throne judgment. And we will be judged according to our works and be cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. It's a big difference. <laughs> big difference. So what is the difference? Well the difference is hope and no hope. Those who know Christ as a personal Savior have hope of eternal life one day, no matter what happens. And we can face death square in the face and be comfortable knowing that we will spend eternity with Him. That is grounded in the fact that we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ alone for our salvation. That's where we rest in it. And our salvation will determine what resurrection which, with, with which we will take part. The first is the one I would encourage you to be a part of. As we go back to First Thessalonians chapter 12, he, en- he ends this portion and ends chapter 4 here. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another with these words. Now he's talking about death, he's talking about the end. He's saying, Comfort one another with these words. We have to understand that this letter is written to fellow believers in Jesus Christ. But I also want you to know this is not very comforting to unbelievers. This is very uncomfortable information to hear and to understand as an unbeliever because all unbelievers are left for the second resurrection. So the question that we need to understand is where are you today? Are you lost? and without hope, and without heaven, do something different. Change. Repent of your sins. Trust in Jesus Christ and be saved today. Join the different crowd. Come to Christ as a sinner. Confess your sin before him and receive him by faith and be ready for heaven, either whether it's by death or whether it's by his return. You can know him and you can have that hope of eternal life in Jesus Christ. Now, those of us who are Christians, those of us who have that hope, we have that blessed hope in Jesus Christ's return and the eternal home that we have secured, we need to realize this is a big difference. And I believe if we come to grips with the reality of the difference that there is, between a life of, with hope and a life with no hope, a life with unbelief as opposed to a life with belief, a life that will be ended or bookended by the resurrection to be with Christ in the air or to be resurrected and judged for eternity. There's a big difference. And that difference should really impact us in a way that we want people to know the difference and to share that difference to the world. If we realize that there is this big of a difference, we must tell the world about the difference in order to make a difference. That is the difference this morning. Whether you have hope, which is grounded in a belief in Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection, and the resurrection that you will experience in the day to come, will be with him forever if we truly know Jesus as our Savior. This is a message worth sharing, to tell the world about the difference. Let's stand us have an invitation. Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much for the word that you have given us, Father, in revealing yourself to us. And Lord, Father, I want to personally thank you for the difference that Jesus makes. Father, it's my prayer that that no one here will be able to look at the difference and not see the great difference that there truly is. Father, we pray that you would forgive us. In Jesus' name, amen.